And three, two, one. And we're live. Welcome to this week's Safer Than Your Average. On the show this week, we're going to hand over to the main man himself to tell us a bit about himself. Hey Blair, thanks for having me on. Um, so just a bit of very a bit about my background. I'm uh, grew up in a town called Newry, which is in the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. People from Newry like to call Newry the shopping capital of Europe because depending on the fluctuation between the currency between sterling and the euro, so it can be a big shopping big shopping town. So um, that's where I'm from. I'm currently the UK director of Ashview Consultants, uh, Health Safety and Design Risk Management Consultancy. It's been in business 15 years and we're now growing it in with clients in the UK, but we're now really scaling it up into the UK. So that's my current role at the minute. I'm sure we'll get into it a wee bit more detail later on. So, Okay, okay. So I'd like to just go back to the beginning with my guests. And if you don't mind, just take us right back to your early life, a bit about growing up in Newry and a bit about your background. Yeah, so look. Growing up, I'd, so my parents, my mother was a nurse, my father was a plumber, myself and my brother. Um, any normal childhood playing football, getting up to mischief and probably things that, that we shouldn't have at times. But as suppose at the time, looking back, it was in the middle of the troubles in Northern Ireland. You didn't really realise it, but there was, I wouldn't say there was bombs going off around you, but it, it, there was bombs going off, there was shootings, the army was in the streets, so... But we didn't really, it was just part of our growing up and we didn't really know any difference about it. You see, you just get up, you get up in the morning, in the summertime, you played football, you did what you do, you know, so. But probably in a lot of people on the outside looking in thought it was, you're nearly mid, living in the middle of a war zone, but to us it was just normal life, so. Yeah, you know. and it must have been tough. How do you think that, that influenced your later career choice? Um. I don't, to be honest, I don't really think it did. You know, early growing up, my father was a plumber and I always wanted to work on building sites. So I would have worked with him during the summer as well for a bit of extra pocket money and that, you know. But, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to get out of school as quick as I could and, and start earning money. So, and maybe unbeknownst to me at the time, maybe going working with my father in the summertime was part of their way of getting me off the streets. You know, that's sort of Yeah. Uh, probably in hindsight, you know, looking back on it and, and it was a good thing. But, um, so, but I know really just growing up I wanted to get out of school I wanted to get on to construction state, states and start making money mm-hmm. you know. quite a lot of construction work happening at that time as well in Northern Ireland yeah so a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of work at that time but then later on obviously the Celtic Tiger and that and that's really where I moved from I'm sure we'll get into it later on from an electrician into, into the health and safety world but there was really a big boom in the Republic of Ireland and it's literally on my doorstep where EU money and that was coming in, you know, so a lot of construction and uh, all my friends would have grew up would have been bricklayers, plasters and in, in the construction industry, you know. Yeah, thanks for that, Paul. So if we talk about your first job after you left school, you mentioned there electrician, so did you go through a, an apprenticeship to become an electrician? Yeah, so I went through an apprenticeship and it was basically when you left school you needed Looking back, I think you needed four GCSEs, math and English and two others, grade C and above, to be accepted as a as a as an apprentice electrician. And I started off with a company, O'Hallan and Farrell, I was an apprentice electrician. House bashers, any electricians that listen listen will know what a house basher means. So started off and look, when you start off as an apprentice electrician, you are like the bottom of the food chain. Like I'll give an examples where you'd have been wearing houses and you'd had to walk, you maybe walk a couple of hundred yards to so the store would have been 
in the middle of the seat, but he had to walk maybe a couple of hundred yards and the electrician would have made you carry his toolbox as well as your own, you know, that's where you really wore a dog's body and every night you would have had to go to the shop for maybe 20 gays and somebody would complain, no salt in their chips and so on. But I always uh, I always managed to get myself a free dinner every night. Well, I'm working eight o'clock at night a lot of the time and between getting up the money to get yourself a free dinner every night. So it, it wasn't the worst, you know, but I suppose looking back, the things that that taught me was like, it was construction sites and health and safety. Well, health and safety was nearly non-existent, but construction sites at the time, there was no real health and safety. We would have traveled to work in the back of a van, sitting on a cement bag. And uh, when you got the site, you were the same again, there was, there was no real canteens, proper welfare facilities, but it really taught you to toughen up um, and, and discipline as in doing what you're told, being in time. Like the van would have left near at six o'clock in the morning and you, it was like a, there was no waiting on you. You had to be there in time, and uh, you missed too many days, and you lost your job. So it was tough at the time. Again, probably back in the troubles, you didn't realize it. But if you think some of the young ones now, and that you know what I mean, they wouldn't put up with it, and you wouldn't expect people to put up with it. So it toughened you up, buns but and you just had to get on with. But it was just life at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so how did you progress on from there, Paul? How did the the apprentice electrician, where did you go from there? What was the next step? So apprentice electrician, and then you obviously come out of your time. And you, you, in, the, in the world of an electrician, you nearly needed to leave the company you're with to get the bigger money because you're always seen in the company's eyes as a junior and that. So I went, and then just we're talking earlier, I went and worked in Dublin at the mm-hmm. head of the boom. And at the time, it was the big money. You were leaving nearly to go to the big money, big money in Dublin. And it was quite a step. Like you were leaving your comfort zone of, the company that you work for and you served your time with and you're going to down to big jobs in Dublin. It would have been your first time in Dublin, you know, down working. So um you had to buy your own car and get down the road. But down there and then really that was my real first experience of coming into health and safety and health and safety professionals. I was working on the job in Intel, huge job in Lake Slip. It was coming two thousand electricians, maybe ten thousand construction workers in the site, probably one yeah. of the biggest jobs at the time. And that was my first seeing health and safety people and engaging with them. And I really just built up a relationship with them and started asking them, how did you get into health and safety? And it just, just started to tweak my interest in it. And, and more and more I, get, I spoke to them, the more and more I got interested in a career in health and safety. But mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew electrician wasn't what I wanted to do. By this time, I had, had a house and I had my daughter. We just bought the house. And the electrician at that time was you're maybe in a job for three months and when the job's finished, you could be able to work for a couple of weeks and then yeah. you start up again. So it was no real consistency and I just, and electrician just, I didn't enjoy it. It was, it was a living, but I didn't enjoy it. So that's really where my interest from health and safety, health and safety came in, you know. Mm-hmm. So where did you go from there then? How did you end up in the, your first safety role? Yeah, so I, and I would often say this to young people that have been mentoring and helping now at the time. So, at the time, I went and put myself through my knee bar. So I think it was £1,500 at the time. Nobody was nobody was sponsoring me in a blur. Mm-hmm. I was going to pay for it myself. And imagine at the time, because of 20 years ago, £1,500 was a fair commitment. Yeah. And I was taking a day a week off work. And my employer, weren't, they weren't supporting it at all. So I was nearly getting into disciplinary problems with taking a day off work. I think at the time, it was 12 or 13 weeks a day a week. And after about six weeks, the twigged every Wednesday. Where's, where's Paul Feely here? You know, that sort of way. So I was running out of excuses rapidly, but look, I got there. I got to the finish line anyway. So 
So we got that and then I started putting out my CV and I'll never forget, I remember, remember even putting out my CV at the time and I was sending my, what I thought was a CV to, to recruitment agencies and they're coming back to me and saying, can you send it to me in a word format? I was just typing it up. I, I didn't know. I was just typing it up in like, a, like an email and then I obviously tied it up and started sending it out to recruitment agencies and had a few interviews and I'm sure the first couple of interviews were absolutely dreadful, you know, that's all right, but I learned as the interviews went on. And then I was lucky enough to get my break with a, with a company called Tricastle. And what really got me over the line there was, I was probably talking about a bit of my construction experience and my, my learnings from sites. So I used, my, I used my experience and knowledge from an electrician and my engagement with health and safety people and brought that into the interview. And thank God I was lucky enough to get, to get the job, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so what did they do? How did you get structured into there then? Yeah. So they were a so they were a family business, a large construction business in Dublin, um, mm-hmm. about a thousand employees. Yep. Uh, work in situ, steel, steel, steel fixing and so on. They're the largest farmwork in Ireland at the time, built a lot of big projects, projects, mm-hmm. central criminal courts, a lot of pro- big projects in Dublin. So I actually started off in one job as them as a, as a health and safety officer, going on to say too much, about 600 guys on site. And we were we were a subcontractor of a principal contractor, but we were the biggest subcontractor on site. So um, getting in, obviously doing the, the toolbox the inductions. One of the first things was obviously getting on top of the whole filing paperwork because it wasn't in shape. But so we got cut that over the line and then started settling and getting a proper safety management system on site. Toolbox talks, carrying out toolbox talks, inductions, risk assessments, and, and so on. And really working on that relationship with the other health safety advisors and site that we were working as a team because huge project and a lot of maybe 15 cranes on it at the time, you know, that sort of way. So we all had our own area looking after our own area and, and, and trying to work as a team and that. So it was good that I wasn't just thrown into a big project on my own. My first job was in with a team and part of a team and yep. I learned a lot on it. And then I worked with them and then, as I say, that was one job and then there was two jobs. And then over time, I just worked my way up to the health and safety manager then. So mm-hmm. over a matter of three or four years, I worked myself to the position of health and safety manager mm-hmm. and um, overseeing the whole business with a couple of health and safety advisors below me, you know. So yeah, they, they then, unfortunately, with the Celtic Tiger, they, they went out of business in 2007, 2008, but a good business and I'll always always very thankful to them for mm-hmm. giving me the start you know it's a real shame that as well some excellent construction companies in Ireland really suffered through that and, and went out of business so yeah. I, really I remember, I remember the owner at the time telling us he says there's a storm coming that none of the likes has been seen and we just we didn't, we didn't, nobody, we didn't see it at the time you know but look um, I still keep in contact with the owner every now and again good relationship with him you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to rebuild now, quite quite heavily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dublin's busy. Yeah, yeah. Dublin, Dublin's busy again. Obviously, with COVID at the minute, um, at the minute sites are closed under on COVID, but yeah. they're open. There's chat of them open up next week. Mm-hmm. There's a few um, social housing sites and so on, and, and infrastructure critical like hospitals and that open. But and the main construction's well, well down. But I think there's a plan. Excuse me, early March to open it all up again. You know. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, Paul. So if we move forward a little bit, talk us through your career. So you went from being safety manager, the 2008 financial crisis hit, the business 
went down. Where did you go from there? What was the next move? So, and again, and I'll touch on this later on. A lot life, I feel, and a lot of it is about relationships and building relationships. So the day that we were told at Tri Castle were basically in the liquidation, I was driving home from Dublin, Newry, and I phoned a guy that I had known through health and safety, through construction, and just phoned around, and he says, he says, phone this guy here. He says, the M50 are looking somebody in health and safety. They're looking at health and safety advisor, and I phoned the guy, and I started the next day on the M50 construction project, which was, oh. at the time, was the largest ever civils project undertaken in Ireland. So the M50 is the busiest road in Ireland. It's the biggest road through Dublin. It's a couple of hundred thousand cars on it. And we were putting on two new lanes on it and obviously abutments and bridges and so on. So I was incredibly lucky to get a job the next day in it. But again, it's about building relationships and, and keeping them relationships with people. So I went from there. So I went from Tricastle to the M50. It was maybe two years in the M50. And I was looking after a section. So it was broken into three sections, north, middle and south. And I was looking after the southern section again. If you can imagine, so a lot of bridges, bridges over live roads and nighttime lifting and a lot, a lot of temporary works and uh, liaison with, with local authorities and so on. But again, a good job, different different type of risks than Tricastle. Tricastle was very fast every day. You were stripping your pouring concrete. This was more civil, slower, but but different type of risks. So, but it was good, it was good. And um, so I was, there, so I was there for two years and then that job came to an end. And I left and went to a company called Crea Concrete. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so I went into Crea Concrete uh, for Crea Concrete 10 years. Um, I would, and Crea, the, they're the biggest concrete company in Ireland, aren't they? Well, there would be one of them. There'd be several of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be several of them. There'd be one of the main players, so they would. Um, Own a lot of quarries as well. Quarries, manufacturing facilities. They would, they would make anything from a paving stone Literally anything from a garden paving stone up to a 22-storey high precast tower in the middle of England, you know, that sort of way. So, yeah. And everything in between. So you can imagine huge risk as in temporary works, lifting operations, mm-hmm. risk from the quarries, the manufacture, and the transportation of the product, and then obviously installation on site, you know, so that, yeah. that, that whole integrated chain. So about 800 employees, a family business, and I'll say I was there 10 years, and Started off as a health and safety manager, and after three or four years, I was made the health and safety director of the business. So, mm-hmm. um, it was l- learned a lot. It's my first exposure to quarries, um, my first exposure to large manufacturing. You know, how did you find that transition from construction over to the quarry and the manufacturing industry? The manufacturing I found very, very similar to, to the construction quarries, very different, and quarry mm-hmm. has its own very specific set of regulations. Yep. The quarry yep. rigs and it took me a while you, you could if you didn't know you could be you could be looking something in a quarry and you, you wouldn't even know it is a hazard you know that's sort of way and base heights and haul roads and, and say and that type of thing so that took a while and luckily there was a lot of experience around and experienced people around and then i put myself through again i'll touch on this later training courses and we had external consultants come in at times to carry out inspections so i always accompanied them with it all the time looking to upskill your upskill your knowledge on it. So, so you were coming really from a real construction, as I say, into quarrying, manufacturing, logistics, and, and site installation, and different cultures. And it was, there was also factories in, in Ireland, factories in Scotland, factories in England, and the different cultures between the between the three areas as well was was something new at the time as well. You know, so. Um, 
I said, 10 years there. And as part of that, then in the last three years, I also took on as the chairman of the British Precast Health and Safety Steering Group. Mm-hmm. So it was really where the precast industry came together, all the main players, and set up a safety group of how they're going to drive health and safety improvements across the whole precast industry. Yeah. So um, working with the HSE and working with other bodies, we've come up with several codes of practice, come up with real good guidance. We run several initiatives, such as the Fatal Six. So you look at the Fatal Six within the industry, the Fatal Six initiatives, and run a lot of training and communication behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, safer by competence so a whole level of competence in the industry what people need, needed at certain level and what that competence looked like raising the bar and um, looking at the high risk so within the industry pre-stress and so we, we we would bring in an external person external company to audit all the pre-stress factories and give them all a score and and you could see over time the improvements improvement in the improvements that made a lot of a lot, a lot of good work done on that, and something I was very proud of. Because you know, it's a big when you're bringing a lot of different people from different companies together, trying to just move that all forward. But I have to say, like, we work really, really good, and they're in the, they're in the middle. I know now in the middle of updating more codes of practice and so on. So and good input and good help from the HSE in it as well. I have to say, you know, so mm-hmm. so look, a, a, a lot, a really, really. I learned a lot from, from obviously the British precast from my time from my time in Korea. And then now I finished up at Korea in December there and I'm now joined a company called Ashview Consultants mm-hmm. and I'm the UK director of Ashview Consultants. So as I said earlier, Ashview's been in business 15 years, mm-hmm. working mainly in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And they've done work, done a right bit of work in the UK, but now we really want to grow that. And my main remit is to really grow that whole UK business. So that's um, my role as the UK director. And that, that, that's my role there, you know. Excellent, excellent. So what's been one of the biggest challenges that you faced health and safety-wise in your career then? I suppose when you're in health and safety as long as I am, and I'm in health and safety coming up at 20 years, it's, it's a tough one. But And you could talk about accidents and you could talk about incidents and you could talk about people have been difficult for the sake of being difficult, you know, that sort of way, and, and different cultures. And, um, but for me, at a personal level, it has probably been my own ambition. So it's been a, sometimes it's been a curse and sometimes it's been a blessing because sometimes, you know, you're always looking when you're in health and safety, obviously you want to be the manager. And when you're the manager, you want to be the director. When you're the director, you're saying, should I be doing consultancy? And, and sometimes taking a step back and just looking and I wouldn't be one for looking back. I'm always looking forward, but maybe looking back and say, look, look at for you've actually came here. Look at the good things you've done in your in your career and, and the companies you've been in. Look at the influence you've had in the business and the influence in the industry. But um, sometimes, so I've probably been my own biggest critic, and uh, that that's probably been probably my own ambitions at times, and 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 not been comfortable where I am, and, and it is a good thing, and it is a positive, but for me at a personal level, that's probably been my biggest biggest challenge, you know. And that is quite a challenge, that as well, when you're ambitious and you want to just keep driving forward all the time, you start throwing everything into it, you know. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. And I suppose, and as I say, when I was an electrician, if somebody had said to me at the time, in 20 years you'll have done this, and you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have thought it, I wouldn't have believed it, the time when I was nearly sneaking out of sneaking out of the job to go and do my do my knee bars at fifteen hundred pound, and you're saying, "Am I doing the right thing here?" And then you probably went through 
probably went through five or six interviews and they're saying, I'm only after spending £1,500. We're now to buy a new house. I haven't got £1,500. Am I doing the right thing here? You know, but I suppose the message really is just keep keep plugging at it, keep pushing at it, and, and eventually it'll happen. You know what I mean? And you yeah. just got to keep trying to keep inching forward, keep moving forward, no matter how slow, just keep, keep progressing, you know? And that was going to be one of the things I was going to ask you. What advice or guidance would you give to someone starting out? And that, that's an excellent start of a thing that you do need to keep trying and keep trying to build that network and relationships to drive it forward. Yeah. Look, some of the, the advice I would be giving anybody, any young one starting out, anybody to, from a practical point of view, as a, as a health and safety advisor, been visible on the ground and be visible on the ground build relationships at all levels. Like, like when I was in Crea, I literally would have, could have came from a conversation with the guys in the factory into a board meeting and everything in between, you know, that sort of way. And you'd have to be adaptable. And to me, that's the enjoyable part about health and safety. And I always, and I've always said this, I would get more information and we get more, more improvements from the guys on the floor. See, see if I had a problem on the floor and we're talking to, talking to the guys on the floor and saying, look, this is a problem. We need to get around this. And nine times out of ten, if you have that way about you and engaging and bring the guys in, they'll come up with the answers. And yeah, and me, all my years of experience, nine times out of ten, it's the guys from the floor. But you have to be able to engage them in a way that, that they see your band into it. But yeah. also, whenever they do come to you with feedback, you have to action that. Because mm-hmm. no point in saying we're having an employee engagement program. And I know there's not everything you can say to the employees that you're going to do, but you have to give, you have to tell them back. You ask for A, B, C, D, E, we can give you A and B, C, we can't get. And, and that brings it on. That, that all brings it on. You know what? So I've, and look, some, I think some, the challenge of some health and safety people is they don't really get involved in that. And that, that would be my advice. Get involved with the guys on the floor, get involved with the management and be a part of the team. Be a problem solver, not a problem creator. That's excellent advice. Excellent. So if we just cycle back a little bit to look at where do you see yourself progressing to in the future, Paul? What's next for you? Well, I suppose the next really is building the Ashview brand and building that into the UK. And I want to build a strategic alliances with, with architects, with engineers, with project management companies really in that whole design risk management pre-construction and the whole CDM principal designer and that they're and really really engage with, with companies and, and add value to them in health and safety so so that's one part of building building that whole Ashview UK brand as I said I was a chairman of British Precast and I really get a lot out of that and I think of a lot a lot of value to add and committees I got so perhaps maybe something taking a senior position in one of the IRS committees Mm-hmm. or perhaps a construction safety group yeah you know, that type of thing so really back into that type because i've seen how i've seen how it's worked successfully and i've seen i've seen the benefits across an industry so we're really keen on that um, enjoy mentoring young people enjoy mentoring young people who want to learn and want to come in and, and really want to engage you know that's really like it's it's really great if you have somebody under your wing that that, that really take it up and, and and you can really see them growing over time so enjoy that it's a big challenge. I'd also like to write a book on, on health and safety. And I think I'd like to write a book where 
because there's regulations for different parts, but maybe something that it flows from the because I think the whole the offsite's grown and the mo modern methods construction. So how you manage risk from design to manufacturing to transportation to site install because there's risks at each process and each handover of each process and perhaps like a, a safety management system and how that all should flow and what that looks like. So that will be that will be a project. And uh, my daughter, my daughter's in Australia at the minute. And she's shown an interest in, in, in coming into health and safety. So when she comes home, she's coming home. I'm hoping June, but depends with COVID. But she wants to get to her neighbours and take her into Ashview. And uh, I'd make her pay £1,500 and make her save for it herself, maybe, you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, take her into Ashview. And I was telling Ashview the idea of taking her into Ashview or maybe just let her go out and go out into the big, bad world. Sometimes that battery, you know, that sort of way, because... They can be a bit protected with himself. So, look, anyway, a mentor in, in our journey in health and safety and uh, and really watch what's that progressing. If she could, what a great mentor she's got in front of her. That's yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. She, uh, look, it would be something to be really proud of if she did do it, if she really stuck at it and, and progressed her career. Something I could look back on and say, well, look, that's something to be proud of, you know. So, but a legacy there to take it through as well from all the work yeah. you've done, passing yeah. that knowledge and experience on. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Paul. I really appreciate you giving up your time to come and speak to speak to myself and the listeners and viewers of the podcast. No, look, Blair, look, thanks very much. And I uh, really appreciate it. It's my first podcast and uh, hopefully I've done all right. And thanks again. Excellent. Thank you.